welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, and I am reunited after what seems like a long time with my co-host, Taylor Wells. Taylor, what's going on, man? How you been? Oh, it's been a minute, man. Uh, I've been actually doing pretty well. Just getting my, my feet back on the ground and cruising on through... Just trying to get life sorted, and so far it's been going pretty well, so I, I'm pretty happy. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, Pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, the jet lag is finally over from the marathon. The hangover that took like a week to go away uh, from just the amount of activity and, and busyness and stuff like that, so um, I've been doing good. Just relaxing uh, the last couple weeks, or the last week, I guess I should say. Uh, started Fire Emblem, which we'll talk about in uh, a little bit later in the show here. But uh, you know, overall, can't complain. Uh, it's about a, I'm about a year away from my wedding date, so that's starting to actually become like a thing. So I'm I'm buying a bunch of wedding stuff, so it's weird. I can't imagine how excited you must be. Uh, it's it's exciting, but also like scary goodbye money, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So we have got a good show for you today. We're gonna kind of uh, we're gonna drift back and forth through a couple different uh, subjects that have happened over the last couple weeks here. Of course, we haven't had a proper show in the last uh, two weeks, and there's been um, there's been a bunch of different Zelda tidbits, not really any Zelda news to speak of, but Zelda tidbits that have been making their way around the internet, and uh, we're just going to touch on them, and uh, we're going to... We're just going to dive into some other different fun subjects uh, that kind of that kind of came out of conversations that we had at the Zelda Dungeon Marathon. But I guess we should kick off the show talking about the Zelda Dungeon Marathon and uh, what an absolute success it was. Uh, Taylor, I know that you were you were raring to go and then had some um, some family troubles, some health troubles in your family, and unfortunately couldn't make it. Did you get to take in any of it uh, during the live stream? Yeah, I was there for a good chunk of it. Um, the first two days, I think I was there the whole time. I was in and out of chat, lurking around. Um, but I caught most of the Majora's Mask run. I caught <laughs> I caught Mossy's fun Oracle of Seasons run. That was that was a blast to watch, especially towards <laughs> the end. So yeah, I, I caught a, quite a bit of it actually. Uh, so it was really fun. What Taylor is just alluding to there, let's let's throw Mossy's under the bus here. Is uh, one of his one of his strictest rules is if you're playing a game, you have to finish it. So Mossy's gets to uh, to the final boss in Oracle of Seasons, dies about ten times in a row, and is like, "I'm not finishing this game." And that was our first game of the year. So yeah, that was fun. If you this all this stuff is now on YouTube. Uh, actually, the Zelda Dungeon Archives YouTube channel, which is separate from the Zelda Dungeon YouTube channel, you should go out of your way to to look at it and just watch how ridiculous it was for the last uh, like twenty minutes or so. It was so good, but um, yeah, it was. It was a really, it was a, you know, smashing success. We raised uh, $4,500 for the Extra Life uh, Children's Charity that goes towards the Children's uh, Hospital of Illinois. So uh, we beat our total from last year. Uh, I don't know if you were watching Ocarina of Time. That was the last game on the schedule, but we raised like a thousand bucks. Yeah, I saw. Six hours. It was crazy. It was great, actually. And it was really such a shame, you know, despite all the the problems that were going on, you know, like there, there were a lot of technical issues that unfortunately just, just kept going on, but everybody was really super game and really into it. And I think that, you know, that, that really helped for, for all the people who were, who were watching and 
you know, like especially with the Majora's Mask yeah. race, where like two of the competitors just their their the 3DS capture just died on them for whatever reason, or or kept freezing. Uh, what was it? Katie got that that dialogue glitch where yeah, it just won't progress. She, she got a glitch. Um, it was actually so the problem was it was a singular 3DS that died. Unfortunately, um, Katie had that, and then Judy, Judy had, had that it. in her yeah. Ocarina of Time run, which, which she had to restart, like, three separate times, so we felt bad for her. We actually took that 3DS and, like, literally threw it outside onto the road after. Like, I was definitely expecting... I was definitely expecting somebody to, like, burn it or something after the marathon. <laughs> like, that was... It was such a shame, but I, I'm really proud of Judy because she, she really pulled through, and then it was really nice of uh, Allison to give um, her, her playthrough to Judy to complete because that was, that was really cool, and I think that uh, Judy definitely deserved to, to play that game all the way through, and she, she made a really great showing. So, um, and, and so I want to run down the games that I played just really quickly, and we'll start with Ocarina of Time because we're talking about it, but uh, so I... I got, I don't know, maybe, maybe around like 5.50 or something like that, 5 hours and 50 minutes, which is all right. Uh, better than my time last year, but I, Judy wasn't that far behind, and I feel like if she didn't have to restart several times, that she would have probably beat me, um, and probably... She might have beaten Gooey, too. Yeah, probably placed in the top, like, two, maybe even one, so she was she was doing really awesome, Um Ocarina of Time, that's the one game that I just, I really look forward to running every year, even though, yeah. like, you know, we're, we're never, you and I are very similar in that game, we're probably never going to win, but it's always a great time running through it. Um, you know, we'll always get close, though, I mean, last year I got well, second, yeah, you, this year you got, what, third? Distance. You got third, or second? Mm-hmm. I forget. Uh, third, third place. Right, Andrew got behind, second, uh, right? That's right. Uh, so that was really fun, I had, uh, uh, I had the Minish Cap again this year, was not able to retain the title, had to go against the human algorithm lock, and we had one hell of a race for anyone that was watching this. Um, of course, the big selling point of the Minish Cap is like the elimination format that we have, and this year was like really, really fun. There was a lot of like, there was a lot of people that were ma- way more competitive, uh, I feel, this year than last year. Last year, we kind of had a bunch of, bunch of goobers that just dropped off like right away, like you know, we were like flies. We were halfway into the Cave of Flames, and they were just like still in Deepwood Shrine. So <laughs> this year was this year was a lot closer. It was a lot of fun. Uh, came down to me and Locke, and man, that was one heck of a race. Obviously, I'm biased, but I think that was the best race of the entire marathon. We uh, we had some crazy lead changes. Uh, we finished within like five minutes of each other. Um, beat. I mean, we smoked our time from last year. I think. Taylor, last year I beat it in four hours and, and 20 minutes or something like that. Or no, four hours and 30 minutes. This year it took an hour off that. So I was I was pretty happy with that. That was really uh, good. That, you that only practiced really cool. a couple of times, right? Uh, well, actually, Mossy's told me not to practice at all. So I practiced Oh, there once. you go. So, so that was really fun. Link's Awakening was great, actually. That, uh, that was at dumb o'clock. So I don't think anybody got a chance to watch that. Um that was uh it was it was good i actually i i picked up second place which was really surprising because like gooey was teaching me how to speed through uh turtle rock dungeon and eagle tower like literally a couple hours beforehand so i had i would have finished in dead last by probably about like 40 minutes if not for that so that Got was some that was a lot on, of fun hands-on technique training from the man himself which is kind of sad because i you know we're not going to play that next year 
Uh, or, or at least that version of it. So That's true. But that being said, we were kind of talking about this before the show started and how we were looking at a lot of the the stuff that's been released for Lynx, uh, as, as we're going to call it, Reawakening, because that's what it should have been named. Uh, it, it looks fairly one-to-one, so like it might not be all that different running you know, the I, original... I, yeah, I, I feel like the only thing that I don't anticipate coming back is like um, that glitch where you can push blocks sideways. Oh, that's true. They might get rid of a, a bunch of glitches because I, I know the, the 3DS Ocarina of Time uh, and Majora's Mask by, by that matter. There's some glitches you can do that were in the original and then others that you can't because of the different programming mechanics and stuff. Yeah, so I... You know, and that's a big part of Turtle Rock, especially, and, uh, you know, Eagle Tower, both of them. And that's like, that's your biggest time saves in the entire game right there is those two dungeons. So, right. Uh, it'll be, it'll be sad if that is not, uh, if that's not a thing in the remake, but I'm sure there'll be way more cool stuff to obviously compensate for that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with, with new games and new, new coding and programming, there's always a, a, s- a slate of new uh, mechanics and glitches that speedrunners are eager and keen to find. Uh, Taylor, did you watch any of my fabled Twilight Princess run? I did not. Twilight Princess, I was working pretty much all of it. I, ha- I have to go back and watch the VOD, which I plan on doing sometime uh, next weekend. Well, make make sure that you have 11 hours to spare. Because, Uh-oh. Uh, I, I finished dead last and what I pretty much i pretty much just got shit talked for about 12 hours when i was playing <laughs> it it was it was really fun um i god i'm, I'm just terrible at that game how on and earth like, did that look, happen well i start. i actually i started second behind gooey and then i i finished just absolute dead last um behind like literally everyone else that started after me uh, you know i'm playing this game like joe schmo and i look over at uh at rachel who goes by z1 on our twitch channel and Catherine, and they're doing like some matrix stuff like this like <laughs> literally looks like they're bending reality to like progress through these dungeons and i'm like oh my god and meanwhile i'm like i'm looking for a key in in lake bed temple for like half an hour so it was it was a complete cluster, but, you know, that stream is worth watching just to see what Rachel and, and Catherine do, and also to hear just everyone just, you know, they were they were giving it to me. They weren't very nice. So my takeaway from that is that Andy really, really needs to learn the critical, critical lesson. There is no goat. Yeah, you know what? I, my goats, I'm ashamed to even say this, My my second goat herding time was just under three minutes. Uh oh. <laughs> Jesus. It was, <laughs> it was really bad. What is happening with you, Andy? Um, I, I feel like I don't know not, you anymore. It, it probably wasn't as bad as Cadence of Hyrule. Uh, I I played that game. Um, I had to tap out after about two hours, uh, just because, just because there were some potions the night before that went down, and uh, maybe maybe one too many potions. So uh, I had to hand it off to my good friend Gooey Fame to finish that game, and uh, what a good sport he did it! So that was really fun. <laughs> um, it's such a me, fun little game. Like I, that seems like a game that you would you would really have a lot of fun playing at, you know, any type of marathon or event type deal. It's it's like a game kind of specifically made, I think, for that. 
Uh, so my two takeaways from Cadence of Hyrule were next year, if I play it, uh, no potions the night before, so I can play the whole thing. <laughs> Second takeaway is that it's significantly easier on co-op because uh, when you die, your partner can um, revive you, continue on, and then he he like they can revive you. They can't go to your body and revive you. They have to go to um, the Sheikah slates right. and revive you or whatever they are. So it's it's a lot easier in that game, and you also every time you get a heart piece, your partner gets the the health as well. So it it, it definitely was a lot um, smoother. We actually we allotted about three hours for Cadence of High Rule, and um, about an hour in, you know, we were we were already three dungeons in. So we decided to hundred percent the game. We got all the heart pieces. Uh, we unlocked uh, Yves the Deku Scrub, so that was fun. But uh, yeah, that was that was good. Um, got to play a little bit of Breath of the Wild, got to play a little bit of Skyward Sword. Uh, I took over the old Mossy's role of being baggage, so I sent my teammates back uh, a couple hours, so that was good. Love being baggage for other people. Uh, it, make, it makes me feel good knowing that... Just to weigh know, people I'm, down. Yeah, I, I have a certain skill set, and that skill set is to take the top players and... To be a liability. Put them in check. <laughs> right. You know, bring them, bring them back to reality. Say hey, how you doing? Come back and play with the with the common folk here. Come on. Ah, okay. No, no mention of uh of never mind. Well, we can get into that later in, in private talk. But let's talk about Four Swords Adventures because that was a blast to watch. Between, um, I, I forget who it was, it was starting group was you, Katie, and uh, was it Sean? Uh, I no, I want to say that was about an hour and actually. So the starting group was Judy, Ashley, Allison, and Katie, and somebody oh, made that's a really right. funny. Somebody made a really funny quip of like, uh, in chat they were like, "This is like the scene in Avengers where all the women stand together and fight." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that was great. They were like, they were like, hell yeah!" So, um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I don't think that game is as bad as people say. Oh, I it's really wonderful. Don't. Especially when you have a good group of people that you're, you know, you share a good camaraderie with, you know. I mean, last year when we when we were playing and, you know, despite us not making a huge amount of progress, it was still funny just watching you backstab me the whole time and then me trying to figure out how to get you back halfway through and we're still trying to get through the level. It was, it's, it's a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, so, so eventually Allison literally just picked me up and carried me for like 90% of the level because I kept on betraying my teammates. It was um, great. Specifically, specifically Josh, who has also refused to come on the Champions cast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You know, all of these videos are over on uh, Zelda Dungeon Archives. Um, they're, they're just a lot of fun. It was a great cause. We raised a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I had just... Uh, a fabulous time and i hope that you're back next year taylor um i'm gonna try and find a way to get back there next year originally i said i can't go cause no because of the wedding right whatever yeah yeah you know whatever it's well i could do both <laughs> we'll, commitment we'll, we'll figure it out and uh yeah so the, it was a lot of fun check it out on youtube uh thank you to everybody that donated uh particularly in that last rush in ocarina of time that was that was really fun oh and i and i won the puzzle so there you go. I did win something this year. I was rooting for your team the whole time. I mostly sat out during the puzzle, though. To be I honest. know. I, I saw. <laughs> you were there for, like, so all I, of, what, 30 minutes? I didn't really win anything this year. But I had a fun time bragging that I won. We'll just call it a team effort, right? Um, 
Yeah, that works. A team effort. So actually, and that one has some exceptional commentary by Slick Vic and Kevin O'Rourke. So go out of your way to watch that. Um, so yeah, the Zelda Digital Marathon, man. It's it's in the books, and we're we're getting started on 2020 already. So uh, that'll be something to look forward to. Let's uh, let's do some news roundup here. In the last uh, couple weeks, we've found a few glitches in Breath of the Wild, and the first glitch is a glitch that lets you get infinite Korok seeds. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what you would do with infinite Korok seeds. Like, do you get multiple pieces of gold poop? Well, no. The I think the the idea behind it is to avoid having to actually go and find all the Koroks and get 900 seeds. So it's kind of like an easy way to accomplish that part of your 100% playthrough or that part of your, your goal and just, you know, do that glitch and get there as close to instantly as possible. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's, I don't think it's a glitch that I would personally use. I mean, I've already done the 900 Korok seeds, and I'll never do that again, even with a glitch. But, it, like, it... I, I don't know. It, it, it would be very hard for me to justify wanting to do that just because of how I like to play the game. But I can see why it'd be useful and why some people would really like it and use it. And, and there, was a, there was a glitch that was similar to it beforehand before it got patched out, if I remember correctly, right? Oh, I, I don't know. What was the similar glitch? Oh, well, according to our, our news post on this, there there was a glitch before this one that somebody had found that also did a similar type deal where you could get infinite Korok seeds off of it, and then it got patched out by Nintendo. So um, I, I don't know specifically what you had to do for it, but it, it was like apparently there are two glitches that in the past that have given you infinite Korok seeds. And, you know, I, I could see this being useful... Um, to speedrunners at the beginning of the game in particular just to oh, yeah. up your inventory. That that was um, the other so thing. I, you know, I, th- I think of the sense of like that kind of play, this could be, you know, this could be kind of cool. Um, we'll see how long it, it actually exists in this game before it gets patched out or fixed or anything like that. Right. But uh, kind of interesting. Um, not as interesting as the next glitch, though. And that lets you ride Prince Sidon through the entire land of Hyrule. <laughs> of course, he, he's literally... He's literally riding like when you uh, are riding him and you're and you're shooting at the divine beast. You can pretty much take him and just go ham all across Hyrule. It looks as ridiculous as it sounds. Shield surfing, but say, with seed on. I gotta say, like riding, <laughs> riding Prince Sidon, like uh, you know, the internet was way ahead of you on this one. Breath of the Wild glitch. <laughs> Was it? Catch did up. somebody did somebody mod that into the game? Was that is that what you're referring to? Uh, they they might have. I I I'm just uh, referring to the uh, at oftentimes oh. salacious oh yes fan base of uh, Prince Prince Sidon. So. I think I think I made a similar comment actually the other day when I said I wasn't going to be able to to write that one. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know what? That looks pretty fun. It's uh, it's quicker than a horse, I guess. Save all, a horse, right? Side on. <laughs> all I gotta say is, you know, <laughs> phrasing, man. And hey, what's not to love about riding a, a big fish man uh, all the way through Hyrule? I mean, Epona's cool and all, and I love her to death. But you know, we need some variety around here. So why not? <laughs> why not uh, do it with Azora? 
You know, I still find it strange that the only way that you can actually get Epona in Breath of the Wild is through Zelda Amiibo. Amiibo which yeah. is, I don't know, that doesn't seem right to me. Well, you can um, find kind of like a similarly colored horse in the wild and just name it Epona. But it's not the same, I, mean, I get it. I mean, you can, but it's not, it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, it, it's just, it's not the same. You can you can stick feathers on a chicken, but you can't... Uh, I, I think I butchered that quote. Yeah, where, where, where was that analogy going? <laughs> yeah, let's let's just move on. God, we better edit that part out. Quick question. <laughs> Do you think uh, Nintendo's going to get a strongly worded level from P- letter from PETA about, about our poor fish? Maybe. They, uh, they got one already about Raccoon Mario. Did they? Uh, I was, did not hear about this. this this was uh, a few years ago. Yeah, they they got a letter saying that um, Raccoon Mario was uh, was not a good example and, and kind of abusive. And Nintendo like took the high road. They didn't really acknowledge it, but a lot of fans were just like, "Come on, that's um, hilarious." So they, yeah, I, I don't have all the details off the top of my head. If you throw it in your Googler machine, you can probably you oh, can probably find um, Nintendo uh, Peta. I'm definitely controversy was definitely doing a deep dive research episode into the dark web about that one. Um, so let's talk about and just really quickly touch on it. Um, we're definitely not the authority in this world, but uh, the Ocarina of Time world record for any percent was was broken, um, and it was a seventeen. It was broken in seventeen minutes. So it was, it, you know, apparently this has been worked on for the last two years. Um, our colleague Ewan Crombie, who's featured on the Champions Cast before, has uh, a pretty wicked write up about this on the uh, on the website. So if you're if you're into speed running. And you're into how this speedrunner did it. Um, you should check that out. He used a bottle skip, which of course takes you right from Goma straight to um, straight to Ganon. So it's it's really cool. Um, check it out. Like this has been basically building up for the last couple of years to to beat this world record. So um, you know it's uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool deal for the people that are in that community. I think it's neat that someone was able to I guess break the game enough. To where they can pretty much just skip the whole thing, but at the same time, I also wonder is like you know what 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 is the point? Like I kind of get us doing, you know, like all dungeons runs and trying to complete as fast as possible, and you know we're we're posting up five six hour times uh, and, and all that stuff. But like the 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 super speed running aspect where you just go in, break the game completely, and beat it in like ten minutes, I. I have to. I have to know what what is the draw behind that. It, it seems like such a waste of a game. Like why why play the uh, game yeah, at all? I, I I don't disagree with you actually. Um, like I I'm more interested in glitchless skips, which actually we should mention that one of our team members, Bommy, just uh, set the world record for Ocarina of Time glitchless. I think he beat it in something stupid like two and a half hours or something like that. I could be wrong. That's our Bommy. Um, and so like. Yeah, I, like, I tend to agree with you. I think, like, doing, like, Ocarina without the Lens of Truth or, like, just, you know, doing some dungeons in non-sequential order, I think, like, that is really cool. Um, you know, kind of, you're, I, I agree with you. Like, skipping over 90% of the game is, uh, you know, obviously it takes a lot of skill to do, but it, it does kind of take away from, you know, the, the satisfaction, maybe, I guess, behind it. Uh, because, I mean, like, you, you basically just you know skip over everything and just go right to the final boss so you know i don't know i i, I don't want to say it's not the kind of speed running that i enjoy 
but uh, I respect the people that do it and that like it. So, you know what? That's really cool. Certainly. I, I don't mean to disrespect anybody, you know, who has those skills and who's able to figure out how to do it. Because uh, it is an amazing thing. I, there's no lie about it. Uh, it, it I'm just, I, I guess because I'm so steeped in, in my own bias of, of thinking, oh, you know, I, I like to complete games as much as possible. And I like to, I like to play them fully. It just, it's sometimes very confusing i'd love to talk to a speedrunner about it who who can do it and find out you know what what their mo is behind it because you know it's just as valid as mine and you know i'm very curious about it so it's a it's a neat little neat little quandary yeah it definitely is um so you know and actually speaking of zelda dungeon archive youtube channel that run by bomby is up there if you uh want to go check that out see some of his like weird skips and tricks and stuff it's it's pretty much like i said it's like the matrix um it's it's crazy stuff so i wanted to talk a little bit about we were talking before air um about this growing addiction that i have and i want to get your take on some of this stuff and maybe maybe influence you as well to uh to be to become one with this addiction with me but so i you know we've been writing fan articles for the last couple years on Zelda Dungeon and saying like, you know, check this awesome thing out here. You can buy it from Etsy here. So I, I finally, you know, I was looking at my Zelda collection and I was just like, man, I, I want some stuff to like spruce this up a little bit. You know, there's about 600 Amiibos that are Link, but there's not really anything else. So I, I want some other stuff. So I, I created an Etsy account and I started going and I fell down a dark, dark hole that, you know, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull myself out of right now. I In my Etsy basket is a replica of the moon from Majora's Mask, a, uh, a needle felted great Deku tree from Ocarina of Time, a goddess statue from Breath of the Wild, the three spiritual stones and a little display from Ocarina of Time. Uh, so a glass rupee set and a glass heart container and a miniature version of a shrine from Breath of the Wild. And it's like, this is, this is just like, this is just some of the stuff that I wanted. Like, how do I, how do I stop? Well, your wedding is going to stop you for one, because you're not going to have enough money to buy any of this stuff anyway. But I know the feeling. I, I've once delved deep into Etsy. I still go on there occasionally. In fact, I'm looking to buy, um... A very specific, uh, you're going to hate this, Squall keychain um, for myself. It's a really, really neat looking. It's great artwork. So I know the feeling. There's a ton of stuff on Etsy, especially when it comes to video game fandoms uh, and, and anime uh, as well. So like, if, if you're looking for anything that's like fan-created and um, like just really unique concepts and designs behind these already established favorites... It's definitely a place to go, and and as you said, like it is is a long winding path to <laughs> to go to, to, to go destruction. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I I actually got a couple so of things from Etsy myself. Like I I've got a bunch of um like I have um I have a mouse pad from Etsy that's Zelda related. My phone case, which I upgraded since I got a new one uh, last year at the marathon. So yeah, no, it's 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 a wonderful place to find all that stuff. But you will, yeah, definitely lose yourself it's absolutely yeah it's it's a dark hole it's like it's like falling down the rabbit hole and like it's worse for me because i'm i'm canadian so like (laughs) everything no i'm serious everything is like 15 extra bucks to ship to canada it sucks (laughs) like i i'm gonna ship it to you 
and have you ship it and just like pay you 20 bucks to ship it to me because that would be like much more feasible um but so it actually right before we started this show i had some dude knocking on my door dropping off a, a tingle plush that i ordered online. oh my so, god god help me you, but, you, you know what? wait 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 you need to get a tingle plush that has your face on it just like we have the emote on discord you need to find an etsy artist who will do that if there's anybody listening to this episode of the champions cast that can make that happen uh DM me at Spateri316. Then, <laughs> Let's get then that we, done. And then we sell it for charity at the ZD Marathon. Who the hell is going to buy that? <laughs> I would buy I'll that. buy it. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but the original thing that kicked off this this weird Etsy um, journey, I guess for lack of a better word, is that there really is not very much Zelda Amiibo. It drives me nuts. Like, I was looking... At, uh, at all my amiibo and it's either all link and there's some zelda and that's pretty much it like i have Very Sheik and ganondorf pickings. but there's only one and then like i like i just finally committed to like okay i'm gonna buy the champions so i got i got mifa and herbosa but like man you you look at that at that zelda amiibo collection and it's like skyward sword link uh, majora's mask link uh twilight princess link and it's like man give us zant give us skull kid give us you know, Groose, give us any, anybody but but Link. It drives me nuts. Yeah, it's it's very curious as so, to why. Here's my rent. I, I well, okay. So, what what's the what do you think the reasoning is behind that? Because you know, we Nintendo has a wide variety of very popular franchises, and in those franchises, they have a multitude of of great characters. So it's not, and, and popular characters too. So I wonder if it's not just a popularity contest kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, everybody knows Link and everybody knows Zelda. So let's just make, you know, 65 amiibos of those. You know, I'm pretty sure anybody who can recognize Link, you know, with any great degree of familiarity or regular degree of familiarity for that matter. Uh, would be able to identify some of these other characters like Saria or Malin or Marin or uh, e- even like maybe uh, Ricky or, or, um, uh, Ricky might be a stretch. <laughs> well, that's, Hey, look, every, when you put a kangaroo with some boxing gloves and then have Link riding in his pouch, uh, people will buy you know that. What, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's like, you know, Link is a safe bet. Zelda is a safe bet. So of course we're going to make more of those, but then you have like, or demise or animal crossing line. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like Bumbly the hippopotamus. It's like who, what, who, who knows that? Who's gonna go buy that? Every you know, Animal Crossing fan, apparently. You, you have, um, you have some obscure Fire Emblem amiibo. You have some obscure like Splatoon amiibo, and they're not really even characters. So it's like, you know, why can't why can't we get an amiibo based off you know a couple Whoa. different Zelda games? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what, which Fire Emblem character is obscure? That there's an amiibo of. Um, I would say both Celica and whatever the other guy's name is. Oh, Celica has an amiibo? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay, thanks for proving your Um, own point. Appreciate it. So there's Tiki, which, you know, to a Fire Emblem fan, you know, I know who Tiki is, but I am assuming that a lot of other people probably don't. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, it's just, it's weird. It's... uh, you know, Crom has two different amiibos now, so it's like, you know, we can get two different Crom amiibos, but not a Gruus amiibo. I don't know. It's I, I'm never gonna stop ranting about this. Um, 
until we get that Gruus amiibo, I think. I'd like to get a three like, goddesses amiibo. Yeah, that would be super cool. I you know, I just want to get any amiibo that's not Link. Link and Zelda? Yeah, I was really hoping that Marin would get an amiibo actually for Link's Awakening. Oh, well, there's doesn't... still time left. They they could announce something like that at the Tokyo Game Show or or uh, Gamescom or something like that. Uh, you know, I guess I'm not I'm not holding my breath on that one. I I feel like they would have probably all been announced at the same time. Well, if I if I remember we'll correctly, see. some of the the Breath of the Wild amiibo came out sig- a significant time after the game came out. So, you know, it it did, but it came out to coincide with the Champions Ballad. So, right. unless Link's Awakening has some DLC, which would actually be pretty awesome. I don't I, see that. I don't know. I just I feel like Maybe maybe we just need to, as a fan base, be more strongly worded towards Nintendo about you know our wants and desires for these amiibo. But you know maybe it's another case of you know how popular are amiibo on a grand scale though. It, maybe that's the driving force behind it. Like they're thinking not enough people buy amiibo to begin with, so why are we going to dedicate as much effort for that? But I, I'm not sure because I'm not really sure on the sales numbers of of how amiibo have been doing. So. Well, anyways, let's move on, um, and let's talk about uh, the Joy-Con drift controversy. Oh, boy. Uh, and, and let's just touch on it, actually, because, I mean, there's really not much to say other than, you know, there was a class action lawsuit against Nintendo for the Joy-Con grift, uh, drift. rather. Of course, uh, I've actually experienced that myself. Uh, your Joy-Cons will just start gradually drifting to the right side of the screen. Um, it makes playing with them super hard. So I'm, I'm actually going to send in mine to get repaired and the the big you know the big thing about this is that nintendo basically said you know contact us and we'll do our best to help you out and as of now they're just replacing anything and everything anybody who has a a pair of joy cons that have the drift on them can get them sent in for free you don't have to prove purchase you don't have to prove warranty it is just you know here's my joy cons fix them it's pretty interesting stuff yeah, I'm kind of divided on this issue. I mean, for one thing, I haven't really experienced the Joy-Con drift, so it's kind of a similar experience to Skyward Swords. Like, I never really encountered the issues that a lot of people did. Um, so I, you know, I can't really speak from the experience of having had that happen to me. But then again, I can also prove all these things that you know i bought my switch i have my you know these are my joy cons whatever but i use the pro controller for pretty much everything anyway uh so the only time i'm using the joy cons is when i'm on the go and i you know there's or there's a specific game that requires them so i don't know if this is really just as as giant an issue as people are making out to be two that lawsuit probably wouldn't actually go very far i don't think um especially against a company like nintendo but that being said nintendo's policy i like the fact that they're trying to fix the issue i do really like that i think any company that is willing to admit that they make a mistake and then try and you know resolve it in as expedient a way as possible is great however comma i don't necessarily agree with the whole yeah just replace everything don't you know you don't need this that or the other thing because that could open them up to quite a lot of fraudulent activity i feel and i don't and i think that could make things worse down the line for certain stuff and it doesn't really fix the issue so i th- i think it's a band-aid 
but I don't know if it's really um, a permanent I, fix. I feel I feel like Nintendo's motives fixing this aren't as altruistic as you probably think. Oh, I'm probably sure not. No, they they I'm want sure to avoid a lawsuit. To fix them than engage in any kind of lawsuit. Yeah, and you know what? That's just that's smart business for them to do that. Um, you know, it does suck though. Like my my Joy Cons, they drift, and you know, unless unless you're playing a specific type of game, they make uh, the game that you're playing unplayable. You you can't do it. It's like back in the day when you're when you would, you know, sit on your analog stick on your N64 controller, and then when you'd play the game, everything was spinning and stuff like that. Right, And then you okay. reset it. So, like, it, it does, it really does affect it. And, like, you know, I had to go buy a new pair of Joy-Cons, and they were 100 bucks. So, it, you know, it is kind of, it's it's a big thing. Um, I, I, I'm surprised that they're just letting anybody repair their Joy-Cons uh, as well. Because I, I do think that it sets a bad precedent, and there probably are going to be some people that take advantage of it. But I also think that this is the right thing to do, and just to, you know, for the cost of fixing them, which is absolutely going to be, you know, lower than the cost of a lawsuit, which this this right. move by Nintendo pretty much mitigates that whole thing. Um, you know, I, I think it's good business for them, so... Well, I'm just we'll, saying, uh, like, if, if I was Nintendo, I wouldn't necessarily say, hey... You know, you don't need to provide anything. Just send us the Joy-Cons. We'll fix it for free. I think they should definitely fix the Joy-Cons for free because if it's that big an issue as you say, then, you know, obviously that that ruins the system and they should repair that. And, but I do, I, you know, from, from a business standpoint, from a I'm trying to avoid more headaches than, than causing them, standpoint i would also say that they should probably still require some type of proof that it's yours <laughs> uh like, yeah still I, fix I it for free but just provide the the proof of purchase or something i i think that the only hurdle to that is at this point like i i purchased my my switch in what was it march of 2017 and now we're in um you know, we're in July of, of 2019, so, like, I, I feel like a lot of people probably don't have their original receipt, but I don't disagree. Maybe not, it, but it's, there are other ways to prove it's a weird per, proof of purchase. I don't, I don't, like, I think if your warranty is expired, they should still fix it for free as well. I don't, I don't mind yeah. the whole, it's not in warranty, we can't fix it thing. That, that shouldn't happen. But, the, like, proof of purchase, like, you can provide a registration code or something. Like, there, there are other ways of providing that without having a, a receipt. So, I don't know. It, it's a complicated issue. I'm not a Nintendo businessman, so I shouldn't be making these these decisions anyway. But that's my thoughts on it. Something that, something that we should um, keep an eye on, I think that, uh, you know, I think it's very interesting. I, I'm kind of a, a nerd for that real-world business-y kind of stuff, so... Um, it's something that I've been following, and uh, I guess, you know, there's nothing really more to say other than if there's any updates or anything like that, uh, we'll see how that goes. And I, you know what, I, I am going to send in my Joy-Cons, because they're not cheap. You Although should. I do like my new colors better. I wish I Oh, did you get the new ones? Originally. No, I, so when I got my Switch, I got the gray Joy-Cons. Oh, okay. And when I, when I bought new ones, I got red and blue. I wanted to get the gray I, ones, you know, but... They only had the neon ones available because I got like literally the last switch they had in the store at the time. I like I like a little bit of color. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I think it's I, cool. I guess I'm just more of the person who's like, well, if I'm gonna have color, I'd rather it be uniform than not. But I I, I don't think they're bad. I think the both colors are great. Uh, so let's uh let's keep it going here let's uh do some fire news here or rapid fire news um 
so uh, the development studio Inti, and I, I don't know if I butchered that or not. I probably did. Um, Inti Creature CEO Takuya Azu is uh, about a year ago. He went on record as saying he would love to remake Zelda 2. Of course, this is the studio behind like Mega Man Zero, um, Azure Striker Gunvolt, and uh, recently Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, which I picked up. It's a really great kind of NES tribute to Castlevania. Castlevania adjacent. Um, yeah, pretty much. It's it's quite fun. Um, so he, he went on record again as saying, I would basically, quote, I would love to remake Zelda 2. Uh, that would be his dream game remake. And I would love you know for what? him to do I, that. I feel, I don't know. I, I feel like with enough people saying this, maybe this one has a chance of happening. Because it's, you know, you heard the rumblings of Link's Awakening remake for a long time before it actually happened. It feels like there's been a little bit more rumblings about Zelda 2 lately I don't know maybe that's just me but I I really hope that that happens and I'm glad that he's putting it out there and getting getting the bug in Nintendo's ear I've got a I've had this standpoint for a long time now in where I think Nintendo is eventually going to remake every single one of their past Zelda titles up to Skyward Sword and like I I don't know I don't know what order they would do it in, but that being said, I think, you know, with the fact that Link's Awakening is being remade, you know, there's only, what, four Zelda, three Zelda games that preceded it? A Link to the Past, Zelda 2, and, and Zelda 1. So... Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so, like, it, it seems like we're starting to get down to the games that I feel, obviously, like, probably need... Are, are in the biggest need of a remake. You know, we've already got our Ocarina of Time. We got Majora's Mask. We can hold over for another, you know, five years or so to get our next Ocarina remake. So, <laughs> you know, Zelda 1, Zelda 2, uh, I, I A Link to the say, Past. Actually, I, I do want to say this, though, because um, there's a difference between a remake like Link's Awakening and a remaster. Like Link's Awakening and a remaster, yeah. yeah. I, I would classify Majora's Mask, Ocarina's remaster as um, remasters versus remakes. Majora, I would so, say, is more uh, of a remake than a remaster because they changed a lot in Majora's Mask. Ocarina of Time, I would agree with you. It's, I mean, it's a very the, HD the remaster. Is, the aesthetic is the same, though. Like it, Fundamentally, it's the same. Like Link's Awakening is obviously going to be built from the ground up, whereas Majora's is, is tweaks, I guess, for lack of a better word. Lots of tweaks. Fair enough. It, but, but some of those I, tweaks I really are pretty major. They are. There's a lot of quality of life tweaks. Um but yeah, I, I think that like of, of every Zelda game, Zelda 2, man, it needs a remake. Because a lot of people, including myself, like, I, I feel like a lot of people try and play this game. And it's just like, it's so, there's so many things about it that just in 2019 make it extremely hard to play. And uh, there's some people out there just being like, oh, you're a, you're a wimp. And like, maybe that's true. But, you know, I don't know. It's It's not... It's not as fun as it could be, and with a few modern, you know, with a few modern upgrades, quality of life improvements, it could be, it could get, it could get the respect that I think that diehard Zelda Two fan base, you know, has for it, um, and it could get that respect in like the mainstream. So that'd be really cool. Well, you're definitely a wimp, but I agree. Uh, Zelda Two, I'm all for that remake, and if Inti wants to do it and they say they can do it really well and very easily, I'm all for it. I mean, they, Nintendo hands off their remakes to other companies for pretty much all of them. So, you know, I, I don't see That's why weird. not. Other interesting piece of news. This tickled me. 
because it reminded me of my Zelda Dungeon Marathon run. But a grandma has has beaten Twilight Princess after 755 hours into that game. She's what on Andy Spiteri record-breaking pace. I, I, first of all, somebody tagged me in that and was just like, Hey, Grandma, they posted about you online. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. What do you even do for 755 hours? Like, oh. What? I mean, it probably took her a good 600 hours to figure out how to play the game, right? Is that what we're going it, with? If somebody told me that you uh, that somebody had 100%ed Breath of the Wild in seventy in 755 hours, I could believe that. I could say, like, you know what? I believe that Korok seeds are awful. There is like they're they're all over the place. I believe that. But man, I would love I would love to watch a a Twitch Hold on. stream. Do you do you know the name of this lady? Is her name perhaps Shirley? Uh, I I can't say that I know the name of this lady. No. Okay, because this this actually re- reminds me of this really really sweet old lady, um, named like she I guess she goes by the name Grandma Shirley or something like that on YouTube, who has for like the past five or six years just been doing like playing through Skyrim. Uh, she does a variety of different playthroughs, different characters and stuff like that. And she, you know, she kind of role plays through them and she plays live and, and does these episodes for, you know, YouTube viewers of just uh, of, of, of a grandma playing Skyrim. And it's one of the coolest and most charming things I've ever seen on YouTube. And so it just strikes me as maybe this is the same same lady. OK, I've, I've got the information that we all need here um, at 82 years old. Grammy Great, as she is known oh. in Reddit, okay. uh, has she got the game in 2006, uh, dipped in and out, and um, and actually this is the best part of the of the entire article. She used Zelda Dungeon's own walkthroughs to complete the Beautiful. game. Um, she says in a in a text to her grandson, "I've been using Zelda Dungeon for the YouTube walkthroughs. The young man that narrates is fun to listen to, and doesn't use challenging language to get us through." I what love a, that. That is fantastic. What a resounding review. Like, that is... Yes. That is perfect. I, th- I don't think... We should feature that on the website somewhere. Just, like, guides written by... Uh, <laughs> or... or um, Was it... Uh, audio done by the best voice ever. Doesn't use... <laughs> doesn't use complicated language you'll never you'll always be able to beat this game even if it takes you 755 hours there you go so congratulations to uh to grammy great you you are an inspiration for all of us uh let's keep it moving here and uh talk about the switch light really briefly um basically it's the long rumored uh portable only version of the switch and on this it uh, it's gonna release for about a hundred bucks cheaper, I think. Is that right? Um, it comes in some pretty snazzy yeah. colors. Yeah. So you to to compensate for the price drop, you're not gonna be able to dock this. Obviously, um, your Joy Cons are built in to the system. You won't be able to play certain games that use HD Rumble because the Switch Lite does not support HD Rumble, and the screen itself is smaller. So. I don't know. It, it seems like it's not worth the... Like, it seems to me that it's worth it just to spend the extra hundred bucks. But that being said, um, I know a lot of people that 
you know, only play their Switch exclusively in handheld mode, so this probably makes sense to those people. Uh, where do you weigh in on this? Um, personally, I'm not a fan, just because I think for $200, you are... Like, it's not, it's not a... I don't think it's a discounted enough price, honestly. Uh, I'm fine with my Switch. I think it does everything that the Switch Lite can do and more, and, you know, that's all I need it for. I don't need to get a, a light version. I can, again, coming from your standpoint, I can definitely see that, you know, there are some people who only want the, the light version, and I'm happy for them, but I wish it would be a little cheaper for them than $200 because that's still a, a high price point for the fact that you're losing pretty much half the features, I feel, that the Switch offers yeah. in the first place. It, it, it might be different, too, if you could buy the Switch Lite and um, eventually, you know, maybe they release a dock that's compatible with it and it costs maybe, like, I don't know, hundred bucks or something like that so at least you have the option to use a switch as it's intended to be used but uh yeah it, it feels i don't know it, it just feels like for a hundred extra bucks you know just get the whole get the whole thing get, you know get all your functionality get because i mean you can't really play mario party with it you can't play one two switch um there and there will be more games in the future i think that you know for for the hundred bucks you're you're really giving up a lot of what makes the switch fantastic yeah, I don't know. I, I it's not a product for me, but I you know I do know people that would uh, that I'm sure are excited about this. the The real piece of news I think is that I mean this has got to be like the official nail in the coffin for the 3ds. And, and I mean 3ds is pretty much dead already. But that's what I was gonna say. Now is that like you have I've... an exclusive handheld console. Like I mean that's it. Uh, yeah, I mean I feel like the the original Switch kind of already did that. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't feel like the the Switch Lite really adds anything to that conversation other than the fact that it's essentially a bigger 3DS anyway. But, again, well, actually, the original Switch in, in, did that. And this, too, about the Switch Lite that I that I don't like for, like, a, a dedicated handheld console is there's no screen protection on it. Mm, like, the, yeah. the, like, the DS and the 3DS close in to each other so that your screen isn't exposed all the time. And then if you're not playing your Switch on handheld mode, I mean, typically I just put it in the dock. So it's weird to me, yeah, that there's no screen protection on it. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there's options out there available, but you know, that's going to be something that you buy at an extra cost. So yeah, yeah I, I, I think know. overall, yeah. overall, I don't, I don't really care for this this move. I, you know, well, I guess we'll see what happens with whatever the the ultra deluxe uh, switch that's coming out sometime in the next 600 years uh, will will feature, and maybe it'll be really nice and a better option but the switch light i that's a hard pass for me and a hard pass for most people i know but not at that so price let, if it, if let, let me clarify if it was like 50 to 100 dollars cheaper maybe but at 200 dollars, no i'm sorry let's uh let's wrap it up here uh i wanted to quickly talk about fire emblem three houses which just came out for the nintendo switch um i've played about nine hours into that game it is absolutely fantastic uh if anyone out there is on the fence about it it's like it's completely awesome you don't have to have ever played a fire emblem game before um before playing this one you can just jump right in it is it's it's truly i can't put it over enough uh the characters are great music is great combat is great it just it makes me want to see a Zelda game so badly in that tactical 
RPG world. You know, you have such a awesome cast of characters that I, I just think it would go so well. It, you know, that's the game that I wish Hyrule Warriors was. Kind of similar, where, like, you have all these different characters, like, your greatest hits from all the different Zelda games, but, like, instead of, like, mindlessly smashing enemies, you're you're working and there's some strategy with it and you know i i just like i really think that a zelda game would work so so well in the fire emblem style of gameplay and it like it, it's weird that there's never been even i don't know anything attempted because like that aesthetic just fits so perfectly i think i 100 percent agree with you do you remember a game called pokemon conquest uh yes i do i never played it so i that... remember it's basically the same thing. It was a DS game that um, fused kind of Fire Emblem with Pokemon. So, and they set it in a medieval Japanese uh, era with Oda Nobunaga's conquest of Japan uh, as the setting. And then they have you know these Pokemon trainer like all these these. These samurai and your main character and stuff are, are Pokemon trainers. And you fight battles on the same type of Fire Emblem plane. You know, all the Pokemon have, you know, there are different stats. Each each uh, Warlord has uh, different different Pokemon, if I remember correctly, and, and, like, different type specialties and different benefits and stuff like that. So, it, it like, if Pokemon can fit in that world, it was, it was a fun game to play, um... When, when I was playing it, this game came out, like, I think eight or nine years ago. Um, it was a lot of fun, so I could absolutely see Zelda kind of following the same same type of, type of pattern. You either have, like, Fire Emblem gameplay, but in the Zelda universe, or, or you have, like, Zelda characters in the Fire Emblem universe somehow, or some, some type of mix... I, I think would work really, really well, and I'd I'd be just as eager to play that as a as a Zelda two remake by Inti. Uh, yeah, I think that that game would just be so fantastic. There's so many options that that you could do. I mean, really, the beauty of the Fire Emblem games is you have like these. You know, you could have up to like thirty characters in your party, but the beauty is that since you use all thirty on the battlefield, like you really get to know each one. They really become special to you to the point where like. If you're playing on what's known as classic mode, if your character falls in battle, they're dead forever. So, like, anytime that happens to me, I just immediately restart my map because I'm not losing any of my characters. Didn't so they I, add I, in I a just... feature to, to kind of, like, prevent people from having to do that? Like, now you can, like, a limited amount of times, you can kind of rewind that decision? Yeah, yeah, you can. You can you can go back in time and just, like, it's kind of like the new rewind feature that they added in on the NES Online. Um, you can you can literally just go in and rewind time. You can't use it infinitely. You can only use it like once or twice per battle. Um, I I haven't used it yet, so I I won't speak any more to it. But um, man, I just you know I think that the game a Zelda themed Fire Emblem game, if that makes sense, or a Zelda themed tactics game would just be so fantastic. So Nintendo for your next Zelda spinoff. You know we loved Cadence, we loved Hyrule Warriors, but please please make a tactics Zelda RPG happen. That would be so, so good. And it's honestly combining two of their probably most popular franchises in North America, at least, for Nintendo. Um, Fire Emblem God, is that, huge in, in America now. And, you know, it's, it's always been huge in Japan. And, you know, Zelda, again, both, 
always been huge both in America and in Japan. So it seems like a na- and because the gameplay and and story mechanics and stuff like that all fit fairly well together, it seems like a no-brainer to do. And I'm honestly surprised they haven't done it yet. Nintendo, if you're listening, make this happen. Taylor, I have two random tidbits to tell you before we go off the air here. Hit the me. first random tidbit is that uh, I have secured a copy of a translated version of Tingle's Ripened Balloon Trip of Love. Oh so my god. Get ready for that. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna... It might cost me everything, but I'm going to play. And I wanted to ask you, the second tidbit, it's it's a question, actually. It's not really a tidbit at all. But okay. I did want to ask you, we had this conversation during the marathon when we were playing the CDI games. Mm-hmm. How much would you pay for a collection of the three CDI games, uh, Wand of Gamelon, Faces of Evil, and Zelda's Adventure? It, oh, if, if all, I had actually, the money? Or, or just based off my personal situation right now? No, no, it, like, how much would, like, say, say you have, whatever, say that you have all the money that you need, like, knowing that these games aren't really that great, how much would you, would you pay for a collection? Would you even buy it? And how much would you pay? I, I said that I would pay $30 Canadian for a collection of these games. So that's like $10 US? Okay. Maybe. Uh, you think you think that ever happens? Think whatever happens. A collection. I, well, maybe it, it's it's a possibility. I I think Nintendo, much like Lucas did way back when with the the Star Wars Holiday Special, special is trying to distance themselves as much as possible from from that. So I if, if it does happen, I don't think it's gonna be from Nintendo. But I'd probably drop a fat hundo on it. That, those games are priceless. That would be I mean, I, I don't think it'll ever happen from Nintendo. I agree with you. But that would be absolutely fantastic. That <laughs> you know, and the the thing is, if you released a uh, a collection of those fine CDI games, imagine the possibilities. CDI controllers have two buttons. I mean, my Switch has got like sixteen buttons. You know, there there's. There's some good stuff you could do to uh, improve the the games and their quality of life. I feel. But, I don't yeah. think uh, I don't think a... there's anything you can do to improve the CDI games, but that's kind of the magic behind them. So we we asked that question during the marathon. I want to know, listeners, how much would you pay for a collection of the CDI games? Would you would you pay one penny? Would you buy them at all? Would you even download it if it was free? Uh, let us know. Interesting question. And that, Taylor, that's it for us this week. Uh, you know, this episode flew by, actually. I didn't I didn't know that there was a lot of Zelda news to talk about beforehand, but look at us go. I think we did. Uh, we had a fun time covering I, all the different shenanigans from the Zelda world. I maintain that we it is literally impossible for us to do an episode that is under 50 minutes. Uh, that's true. I'm, I'm sure that there's probably one, but uh, generally speaking, we like to talk a lot. Um, and that's... As much as we're gonna talk this week, we're gonna we're gonna sign off here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, of course, please head over to iTunes, Podbean, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Go like, subscribe, leave a review. You know what would be really cool? Leave an iTunes review. Um, you know we have a lot of, of ratings and we have a really good rating over there. But 
You know, the only people that seem to ever leave a review are the negative Nellies that say Andy Spateri talks too much and Taylor is a jerk because he doesn't like Wind Waker. So show us some love, would you? Say something nice. I mean, those reviews aren't false. They're No, they're not. <laughs> they're not, but it, it would be nice to have something positive to counterbalance right. them. Uh, so, you know what? Do that. If you do, we'll read it on air. We'll give you a shout out. And uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, definitely head over to Twitter. Follow me at Spateri316. You can follow Taylor at GIF underscore Bluehawk. Taylor, we're out of here for this week. It's good to be back. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>